0: Pull lines is is pretty simple, but yeah, it's the most basic thing we do and some guys are not good at it. The more you train, the quicker you become. How quick can you deploy a line? How quick can you get off the truck and tag a hydrant? How long does it take to set the aerial up?
1: los angeles this is code three the firefighters podcast hosted by award-winning journalist scott Orr. code three features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy tactics and other topics you need to know more about now here's scott that's right and i will not let parkinson stop me thank you for joining me on another edition of code three You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Now let's get started. Every house goes on runs that the crew just knows is a false alarm. You know it, I know it, your administration knows it. But the public doesn't. And when you pull up to that alarm you sure is nothing and you act like it's nothing, they notice. My guest today says perception is reality and that sends the wrong message especially with instant online video. But even more important, when you act like it's a false alarm, you miss a chance to develop habits and muscle memory. Ty Wheeler says every fire alarm can be an opportunity. He advocates an approach called lines off, ladders up. Ty is a lieutenant with the Johnston Grimes, Iowa Metropolitan Fire District. He has more than 10 years service. Ty has a Managing Officer Certificate from the National Fire Academy, and he's a member of the Iowa Society of Fire Service Instructors. He's also the president of the Des Moines Area Metro Chapter of Fools, yep, that spells damn fools, and he's co-owner of Rogue Training Consulting. And Ty Wheeler joins me now. Welcome to Code 3.
0: Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Let me start with what I think is going to be the major objection to this concept. It seems like it wastes time. If you're on an investigation call and it turns out to be nothing, you can get back into service a lot faster if the gear is still on the rig.
0: I understand that, you know, priorities are to get back into service. But the main thing that we want to try to instill in our guys is every chance we get is an opportunity to train and to get better at our job, because we never know when that next strike is gonna be of the alarm. And if we're able to address some of the obstacles that we normally see on calls and on scenes and things, um, we're gonna be that much better and prepared uh, when the actual incident does arise. I agree, it does take us out of service a little bit longer, but the benefit is uh, astronomical when we can utilize that and see that firsthand on the actual incident if we have implemented this process.
1: Now, you call it lines off, ladders up. When you say lines off, are you actually talking about pulling a line, getting it up to the door or something like that?
0: Yeah, so we do this, uh, and this isn't something that we do on every single call by any means. You know, we usually have typical alarm trips at very common places that everybody has. You know, you have those demons and those fire alarms. But when we do go to a new place, you know, we will take the opportunity to use this and it may be stretching an inch and a half or inch and three-quarter line uh, that we have. Otherwise, I carry a 200-foot rope bag that we can uh, clip onto the truck and estimate our stretch that way. It's not always pulling a line because that does take a lot of time to re-rack and, you know, there could be damage with it if you're pulling it, you know, a third floor of a, an apartment building. You know, that can come with some damage and some, some obstacles, but, you know, understanding and estimating stretches is an important aspect of our job. So we utilize a few different avenues to get that done.
1: Well, You just mentioned there are certain buildings known for being problem children when it comes to alarms. How do you motivate a crew to treat them as if they're an actual fire when they know it's likely to be a false alarm?
0: You know, that's that's difficult. You know, we run into that, that mindset quite a bit. You know, we go shift after shift, maybe run the same calls one or two times, three times in a day. But just I think understanding and having that culture of this could be. Um, an actual fire, and we don't want to get caught off guard. You know, if we roll up to an instant and we're not ready, you know, our our gear's not on, our coat's not zipped up, you know, what is that going to look like? Is that going to cost us time? Is that going to cost, you know, the the occupant their life or their property? You know, so I think just instilling that mindset into our firefighters that for every chance that we have to train is going to be an opportunity we can grow and learn. Um, and we don't know when that that uh, fire alarm is actually going to turn into, you know, the real, the real deal. You know, we've had several where we get uh, dropped on an alarm and it turns out to be the fire. Well, you know, what does that say to our, our uh, citizens when they're sitting there watching us, especially on apartment buildings, uh, where there's a lot of people sitting outside, you know, we roll up with no gear on or not ready, you know, what is their perception? Because the perception is reality in today's fire service.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask, how important is the public's reaction to seeing a lackluster response on a call that's likely to be nothing? They don't know it's going to be nothing, but if the crew responding treats it like that, what's the public's reaction going to be like?
0: Yeah, you know, I think a new trend in the fire service, we're trying to be uh, you know, more aware of cancer and things like that and taking our gear off the trucks, you know, there's there's some departments that aren't even wearing PPE um, to fire alarms. Like no gear at all, the fire alarms are showing up in their uniform. Um, and I think that sends a bad message. I think it's, it shows that, number one, we don't prioritize their calls, that it's important. And most importantly, if we do roll up and it is an actual structure fire, you know, what is their perception? is that we don't care, we're not ready, we're not professional, we're not, you know, we're not there to get the job done in a quick and efficient manner. So I think that can be pretty negative. You know, everybody everybody sees the videos on Facebook, YouTube, um, and, and sites like that where, you know, what are these guys doing? They're showing up without any gear on. You know, they don't know the circumstances. This, the citizens doesn't know that, hey, we've been to this uh, apartment building or we've been to this business three times in the last week for, Repeated fire alarms. They don't know that. So I think we, as a, a public service entity, I think we need to show up all the time and make sure that you know we're just not looking the part. We're doing the part, but showing the citizens that we are actually take every call seriously, no matter what. And and it is it, it's in their best interest and our best interest to show up ready to do the job.
1: So, what's your experience in asking crews to respond this way been like?
0: You know, it's been hit or miss. Like I said, we don't do it all the time. Obviously, up in Iowa, it's a, a little bit of a winter, so you know wintertime we really don't do this much. But when it's nice out, when it's summer out, I do try to encourage our guys to do this a lot. And it may not just be pulling lines, throwing ladders, things like that. It is talking about what is our tactic. You know, it's just that it's just that frame of mindset of, you know, when we're going to a call, what can we do to to be successful? How are we going to make a a difference if this is on fire? You know, spotting hydrants, I, I'm pretty vocal with my, uh, with my driver say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. We have two alarm drops, first floor pull section, our pull station, maybe we do have a smoke alarm that, that uh, activated as well. Hydrant, first hydrant is located here, second's here. You know, we're just, we're pre-planning, not just, okay, what is our stretch? Can our ladders reach? Can we throw ladders? But what is our strategy and tactics overall? And usually that's, that sparks good conversations. You know, you're always going to have those people um, in the fire service that don't want to, they don't want to be active, but you know, it's me as an officer, it's my job to make sure that we are. And if I fail to perpetuate that thinking and that proactiveness, then, you know, we fail as a, as a crew and we can't have that. So you get both sides of it. You go, okay, this is, this is good stuff. You know, we, we stretch lines. We know that, Hey, this third story apartment, we can't reach if we go in this door. So what is our tactic? You know, so then we can get into: Are we going to do a soft standpipe? Are we going to do a leader line apartment leg? You know, we can get into those conversations, and and I think by doing that, you engage your crews and your guys to to take the opportunities to think. Well, okay, well, what are my options here? Um, so, like I said, you know, it can be it can be a positive or a negative uh, reaction to it.
1: Do your guys lay a supply line on these calls or do you wait?
0: Typically we wait. Um, Just like you said earlier, you know, getting back in service is usually a priority. So usually we do wait. My new drivers, I try to encourage them to to spot hydrants at minimum. So we have different options for our hydrants. We have a 35-foot front intake. We have a side 35-foot intake, and then we have our our LDH off the back. So I always encourage them to, to spot hydrants, look at the the geography of what we're going into, you know, is there cars around? Is there some obstacles that we need to overcome? And then, uh, you know, we, we try to encourage that. Every once in a while, you know, we will tag hydrants, you know. I'll just tell my often my driver, say, hey, you know, let's tag this hydrant this time. Because it gets us out into the mindset of, hey, my driver hasn't tagged a hydrant in a long time. What is the process? Do I know where my tools are? Can I do it efficiently? Can he tag that hydrant within 30 seconds or not? It's just taking those opportunities where we have them to be proactive in our our training.
1: I think there's a difference here between going on a run in a place where you've had a million false alarms and you know it's likely to be a bad one again, and a call that's an alarm box, but it's at a place you're not, not typically going to. So I think probably then that you have a different mindset when you're going to the ladder where you're thinking, all right, this could be the real thing, so we're going to prep for it.
0: We all know what normal alarm drops look like compared to not normal alarm drops. And again, it's it's about trying to not get in that complacency mindset. You know, every alarm should be should be uh, taken seriously, but, you know, it, it happens because we do go on with quite a few alarm drops. But yeah, like if we start seeing two or three risers or if we see you know multiple smoke alarms or heat alarms going off or heat sensors going off or pole station with with uh, additional smoke alarm um, activations you know that will rise our our interest and kind of you know okay guys this this could be something this time and and we need to start thinking you know a little bit more beyond than what we you know most crews typically do all right here we go again Hopefully, the first-in-engine or truck will take care of this and we get back in service. When we see those signs of multiple drops or something that we're not familiar with, a building that we're not familiar with, you know, it it should raise your awareness to okay, this is normal. So, what's going on? Is it could be something, or could it not be?
1: When you guys get a a food on the stove type call where somebody calls in and says if you got a fire, but you get there and realize from from your from your size up that it's not it's not room and contents, it's maybe just food on the stove. Do you at that point go into full action and pull a line and start to prep for being a room and contents fire?
0: Typically not. On our dispatch, We have we have an investigation alarm or a commercial fire alarm, residential fire alarm, and then we have a cooking appliance, which means, you know, a cooking fire, oven fire, something like that. So when it gets dispatched as a cooking appliance, that typically means that it is, a, it is a, a cooking fire, but it hasn't extended typically. So usually when we get in those situations, if we don't have anything showing, my first thinking as the officer is I need to, I need to mitigate this as quick as possible. So we just grab our can, our water can, which the firefighter is responsible for if he's not grabbing the line. And uh, we go investigate and mitigate the problem as, as quickly as we can. If we get called for, you know, a commercial fire alarm or commercial fire, then we will pull a line proactively if we know where the fire is or the fire apartment. Otherwise, you know, we still want to go and investigate because we don't want to pull a line to the wrong place.
1: Right, because that that would waste even more time.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, in those situations, we will grab a can and me and my firefighter will go investigate if I'm first in. If not, if the truck is is uh, first in or one of the other engines is first in, we'll uh, stand by with a hydrant and or we will be ready to deploy a line to uh, the location of the fire.
1: So this whole concept sounds pretty smart, but my question is, did, have you found a way to quantify, at least in your own mind, that it's working, that it's getting people up to speed faster, keeping them from becoming
0: complacent? Yeah that so that's that's the whole idea behind this concept and like I said this is this is definitely not department wide for my department and like I said it's it's kind of hit or miss if we do it or not you know it's just something that we can do to encourage you guys to start thinking that way this is all based on the recency effect or recency recency theory is pretty pretty obvious on what that means you know things that you've done more recently you're going to be more proficient and quicker at doing those if I force the door 10 times, I'm going to be more efficient than somebody that hasn't forced the door in, in, you know, 10 weeks or 10 years. Right. So it's about doing things that that you're going to be more apt to do in the real world and therefore be able to accomplish that, that task quickly. So quantifiably, we don't have any, any data. We do do in my department assessment based training is what, it, what it's called that, you know, we pull lines twice a year that's timed. So it's, pull the line, deploy the line and mask up. And there's different uh, metrics to that. And that we do notice the more you train, the quicker you become. So this would be the same thing. You know, if we roll up to a fire alarm, how quick can you deploy line? How quick can you get off the truck and tag a hydrant? How long does it take to set the aerial up? You know, what are my moves? If I can take my movements and limit them as much as possible, you know, we're going to be quicker. And we only, we only know that by doing. pull lines is, is pretty simple, but yeah, it's the most basic thing we do. And some guys are not good at it. So if we can, if we can deploy lines, you know, how, how far do I need to pull it up on my shoulder? How, you know, how many steps does it take for me to, to step back, reach back, pull the loop, you know, and advance up, you know, it gets them better at judging distances to doors um, before uh, deploying to an outside door. So I think, you know, there's nothing quantifiable, but I think you can see it in, in performance, right? Because performance is the the ultimate the ultimate test of, of how we do in, in our training abilities.
1: Yeah. So among your guys, are the more experienced or the less experienced the ones who have the most trouble wanting to do this?
0: I think it's hit or miss. Uh, you're going to have the senior guys that are, that are 100% bought into the department. And then you're going to have the guys that are, you know, just coasting. And that's, you know, they always say within an organization you're gonna have the, the top 10%. And in that 10%, you're gonna have the, the top 1%. The 1% are your go-getters, you know, the guys that are always out there doing stuff, very proactive. You know, then you have the 10% that are into the job. They're gonna do what they need to do, go above and beyond a little bit, you know, take pride in it. Then you're gonna have the mass majority, um, which is gonna be, you know, your next 80%. And they're just gonna do what they're supposed to do. You know, it's, it's not going out there and, you know, being proactive about things, taking pride, you know, Uh, researching, reading, stuff like that, but they're going to do what they're supposed to do. They're going to get their trains done. They're going to check their trucks in, you know, there's going to be good employees. And then you always have that bottom 10% that they don't want to be there. They're there for the paycheck. And and that's okay. As, as leaders, we need to be okay with that because you're not going to get everybody on board. And when we see that in our organization, it, it can be mixed. You know, we can have new guys come in and not necessarily be all into the job. You know, we try to motivate that a little bit and and build that up through our culture and through mindset and through trainings. Um, but that just can't be the case. Typically, if I had to uh guess or make an estimate, typically it is the the junior guys that are more energetic to do this stuff, because you know, we all we all become firefighters to do firefighter stuff. Pull lines, throw ladders, that's what we want to do. So usually it's those guys that are very eager, you know, they wanna catch their first fire, they wanna they wanna be good at this and, and, and this is what their life is now. You know, and hopefully we can, we can retain that over their career. But most of the time, you know, you, you do see a little bit of a drop-off. And that's, that's okay. You can't, you can't be 100% all the time. I've learned that in my career. You know, I first started and it was it was go, right? But pretty soon you, you're going you're gonna to get humbled a few times. Like, okay, it can't be 100% go all the time. And, but you need to know when to kick it in and, and uh, do what you need to do.
1: All right, Ty Wheeler, thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today.
0: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate
1: it. I think Ty has a point here. If you always respond to calls the same way, complacency becomes a non issue. Still, I know a lot of firefighters are going to go back to the wasted time argument. So, what do you think? You can leave your comments on our website at code 3 podcastcom ladders up. All one word ladders up. There's a link to more resources there as well. And remember, if you like Code 3, I'd like you to tell a friend. It's a cliche, but it's true. Podcast audiences grow best through word of mouth. So tell somebody else in your firehouse about Code 3. Let them know it's only about 20 minutes long, and it might have something useful for them, too. I'd appreciate it, and it'll help the audience grow. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I sure hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.